0: hello welcome and would you look at this mess i'm your host kate and the purpose of this podcast is to trace explore and celebrate the unconventionality that lives within all of us hey welcome back i hope that you are doing well Today I'm going to talk about some stuff that's um, a bit on the heavy side and fairly complicated and layered. And so I'm going to offer um, a content warning that we're going to talk about some stuff that is uh, possibly triggering for some people. We're going to talk about things like racism and white supremacy. We're going to talk a little bit about sexual violence, that kind of stuff. So if you are sensitive to those types of themes and topics, then please do uh, turn it off from here. Um, I'm gonna not. I'm not. I'm gonna try to avoid getting too graphic with anything. But I do. I just want you to know that that that's the theme of the day. That's what we're gonna talk about. So I want you to be fully prepared for that to happen. Oh, hey, Nina. Nina's getting up for a stretch. Um, okay. So what's happening? I've been watching a little bit from a distance some of the stuff that's been going on with The Bachelor, and so I want to have a conversation about specifically cancel culture and why it is toxic at best and problematic. And there's just it's just so difficult. And and so there's again, it's very layered. It's very complicated because we're not talking about, okay, so let's lay, let's lay the groundwork here. Cancel culture is essentially when somebody in the public eye slips up or something surfaces about them from their past where they were acting in a way that is incongruent with current acceptable uh, behavior. So this often is s- seen th- when we have like, you know, these predatory men suddenly, um, the Harvey Weinsteins, the Bill Cosby's, um, the Louis CK's of the world suddenly are being exposed. And now of course, like governor Cuomo of, of New York is also, um, he's got a couple of different women with allegations against him of sexual predatory nature. So people, uh, like that will emerge and everybody wants to jump on it and, and essentially, quote unquote, cancel them, get them fired from their jobs, um, undermine any of their credibility and anything that they've done, all of that stuff. And I'm not commenting on whether or not those particular people should uh, be canceled. Um, I think that there there is a time and a place when canceling someone is um, a necessary and appropriate move, um, but we have allowed this concept to run rampant and to sort of lose all control and objectivity, in my opinion. Because, um, okay, so so this, and I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, but I've, I've had difficulty kind of coming up with the context and figuring out how I want to frame it and stuff. But uh, because, you know, not long ago, um, my friend who I work with, she mentioned to me, she's older than me. She's about, oh, I don't know, at least she's, I don't know, 17 years older than me. So she has kids who are significantly older, or sorry, younger than me as well. They're kind of in between us. So her kids are like 20 to, I don't know, 22 to 19 or 18, something around there. And so she was saying how uh, her kids talked about uh Marky Mark if we're all (laughs) we all remember Marky Mark or what we now know as Mark Wahlberg um he's now an actor he was a rapper back then or whatever it was that he did but anyway um and so way back when he was Marky Mark he got into some trouble because of uh some violence um I don't know if it was domestic sort of violence like violence against women or if it was I think it was like a bar fight or something he got into where he like beat the crap out of somebody and and um and I, I should have looked this up before I started, but basically, the sense that I got was that he he served whatever the the amount of time was that he needed to do, or he did the things that he needed to do as a result of being charged for that crime, and all the rest of it. But but her kids believe that he should have had his his ability to be a professional in the entertainment industry revoked, essentially canceling him that because he did that thing that time that proved that he was bad or that he, he didn't deserve the things that he got because obviously he's very wealthy and he has some sort of power, I'm sure, um, over some stuff. So in their minds, um, he doesn't deserve to have any of that because he did something wrong at one point in his life. And again, he was, he, he was very young at the time. And so, um, and things have changed and, So this is the thing where, and I was like, honestly, I disagree with that. I completely disagree with that because we need to be able to get to a place where we can recognize that people are not perfect. People do bad things. People make bad choices and end up in bad places, um, but they're not wholly bad. And the thing that I tend to focus more on is have they grown? Have they committed to understanding that what they did was real shitty and that what they're... They need to be held accountable for that, that they need to understand the harm that they've caused somebody else and and take accountability and responsibility for that and whatever you know needs to happen in order to make amends and restitution and all of that stuff. Um, and so when that has happened, then I do feel that it is necessary to give someone the space to say, okay you seem to have at least made commitments to this and we're going to hold you accountable to that. So say, for example, Mark Wahlberg went out on a, another, you know, violence spree and did this stuff again. And then you would get okay, well, you know, like you're really not holding up your end of this accountability here. And so you'd kind of go from it from, from there. As far as I understand, he hasn't gotten himself into any trouble since that point. So it seems really toxic, again, really, um, counterintuitive to hold him accountable or to hold him, hold that against him for the remainder of his life, right? Um, none of us would want that. And so, and, and, you know, this is an, obviously it's different and layered because he's a famous person and he has, again, power and money and influence. Um, and so you do want to think a bit more about like who you're giving that kind of power and influence to if they're the kind of people that you want to be like representing your culture and your community and, and influencing your kids and stuff. But as far as I can tell, Mark Wahlberg is just just an average guy who got into a fight maybe once or twice. Like, it doesn't seem to me like this real problem. Like, Bill Cosby, if what people say about him is true, that man is a predator. He is a legitimate predator, and, like, he needs to go behind bars, and he needs to be, like, canceled 100%, and I believe that he has. I don't think he'll ever redeem himself from that. But, like, so this is where it's there's. it almost seems to me like there's a spectrum. There's a uh not a clear-cut structure to any of this. And this is something that I wanted to say is like um because a lot of this is based around the fact that you're 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 talking about people who are reasonably famous or well-known, um especially nowadays on social media, you can have somebody who is like vir- virtually a celebrity on social media but like not well-known otherwise, and so it's kind of a weird state that we're in. <laughs> um but Either way, it's it's all about being held, uh, held up in the court of public opinion. So there's no foundation or structure to any of this, and there's no standards to any of it, and that is a problem in itself. Like, you know, when you go and you work for an employer, they say all right, well, you have these standards of behavior and uh, these policies and expectations that we have in place for you for how you are supposed to to conduct yourself as a person. And if you are not holding up your end of the bargain on those policies and those standards and expectations, then you can be held accountable for that. Um, And so there are going to be what I would refer to as statutes of limitations um, in certain things. So like if something surfaced about you, from the past that was wrong or really bad uh, depending on the severity of harm and, de- and it would so it would depend on like how there, there would be a lot of variables that would determine whether or not you're going to be reprimanded or potentially lose your job for that and that's going to be determined by the employer, by your human resources, all of those things like it's not going to be a clear-cut, you're immediately dismissed because of this thing that came up about you. Because again, you're, you're not, you have to be able to give the space for, well, what's the severity of the harm? What's the um, timeline on this? Do they, do they uh, appear or is there evidence that this person continues to think along these lines or to act along these lines? And so all of those things together will be determining factors in how you are, um, how the situation is handled. So when you look at things from the perspective of we're just people, people are just existing on social media, or they're just existing in the public eye. There's no standards or, or you know, standard of practice for if someone if something comes up about somebody or somebody does something. How do we hold them accountable for that? Or like, what are the necessary and then the the, the logical steps from that? So. I mean you look at somebody like okay like Donald Trump like he's clearly just willfully ignorant and using that ignorance against other people in order to build his own base of ignorance. So I wouldn't be inclined to like give him a second chance <laughs> because he's made zero efforts to actually try to fix what he's done, right? He's just c- completely unaccountable for his actions, for his words, all that stuff. So that's like that's an example of somebody that I would not ever <clears throat> be inclined to to like Offer an opportunity to make amends. But so I was kind of starting off the episode saying that I've been loosely paying attention to what's going on with The Bachelor. And I'm going to say, I'm going to offer a couple of, of limitations here. I do not watch The Bachelor. I've never watched it or The Bachelorette. I've never been into that stuff. It's just no. <laughs> um, but because of, again, this, this phenomenon where people can become reasonably famous online and it sort of exists outside of their, their, their infamy or their fame um, in the real world, I do follow a couple of people who are part of what is referred to as the Bachelor Nation. So there's been a bunch of drama recently going on with some racial discrimination and racism in the Bachelor Nation. And so I've been seeing some of it peripherally. And so I've tried to kind of keep up, but it's hard because I have little context to understand it. I can understand the concepts of what they're talking about and stuff. So in case you're not familiar with what's happened, um, essentially there was a... The first black bachelorette was uh, on the show, I think last season or somewhat recently. And um, I guess that was it was a whatever. I'm sure she experienced discrimination and all kinds of racism during that experience. But but so basically what happened recently is that she interviewed the, the host of The Bachelorette or whatever, the, the host guy, and asked him about some pictures that had surfaced um, from one of the contestants in the current season of The Bachelor. And I guess there was like, she had, she had taken photos or liked photos or whatever with like Confederate flags. And there was just some obvious racist overtones to things that she had participated in. And I think, again, I should look these things up, but I'm I'm trying to gather as much as I can, again, without the context of knowing who these people are, what, what, what's really happened, but... I gather that he essentially said we need to give this person some time and some space to, like, figure her shit out. Um, I think he used the temporal argument that, like, this was a few years ago um, and so kind of defended the girl who was in question. And so now there's been a quite a backlash against him for his insensitivity to racist issues or issues of racism and then also the girl who interviewed him has also been subject to quite a bit of harassment, um, which is not surprising because she is a visibly black woman. Like that's, that's total par for the course that a black woman should be harassed for speaking out about racism or calling things into question. Definitely white supremacy does not like to be called out. Um, so that happened. And one of the people who has been most vocal about this... Her name is Taylor Nolan, and she was, I guess, a contestant years ago. I don't know. I not I, I don't. I don't really know who these people are. I followed Taylor because she is a therapist and a sexologist, and so I really like her content. And, and you know, she's just this intelligent black woman. So like, I just I like her. Um, and so she has been really vocally coming out, and and she's been sort of offering what she feels are some standards for how to address and handle these kinds of things as they come up. And so her take on it has been that Chris, the host, and Rachel, the young girl who is, was in question, have not been handling the situation appropriately, that they have been defensive, that they haven't been, quote-unquote, doing the work, um, that they need to be held accountable and all of this, you know, it's it's not that it's bad stuff. It's good stuff. And I think what she's saying is is accurate and correct. But she's been saying things like Chris needs to be fired, like he needs to lose his job and, and you know, all of these very um, cancel culture <laughs> kind of things. And that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm not, I can't go either way on, I can't say how I feel about it, A, because again, I don't know the full extent of the situation, and B, because to me, I'm always, almost always going to be the one to advocate for taking your time, taking a deep breath, looking at the situation it's in its totality, looking at the person's character of like, you know, what the what their intent was, although I understand that impact is more important than intent, but even still people can be, uh, can be genuinely ignorant about things and giving them the opportunity to, to explore that and, and see their ignorance for what it is and try to correct for it is a learning opportunity. So by immediately advocating for things like losing their job and stuff, it just, it, it removes, that opportunity to learn and grow, or at least it stunts it because you're demonizing someone anyway. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that end of things. I do think that the accountability should be there. I do think that they should be recognizing what they've done, what they've said, the harm that they've caused, but whether or not it comes down to they should be canceled, period, I'm not confident about. So all of that being said, there's another layer to this now. (laughs) So Taylor Nolan has been uh, going on about this for a while now. And as of this past Sunday, stuff has blown up about her. And so this there are two, two major layers that I want to talk about in this regard about her. Because what happened was somebody resurfaced and put a Reddit thread together of tweets that Taylor had posted about... 10 to seven years ago in around that timeline. So she, I, I take it she was like getting into training as a, as a therapist and, and that kind of stuff around that time. Um, but she said some things and okay, again, I haven't looked at the Reddit thread, but I do know based on the, the commentary that I've seen coming up and the conversations that are happening around this, that she said some pretty heinous stuff. She advocated for suicide for a person who had a mental illness. She called out um, Indian men and was was racist towards them. She was um, uh, going after LGBTQ individuals. like she just went after pretty well anybody from a marginalized group, and had some really heinous, awful things to say to and about them. So uh, again, there are layers to this. (laughs) So first and foremost, the top layer is the deeply problematic nature of what it is that she said at that time. And... I mean, there's no, there are no two ways about it. What she said was really, really harmful. It was really harmful and detrimental to people, to all different kinds of groups. I believe there were disabled people as well that she went after, like literally everybody. And so we can't ignore that. That cannot be ignored, that reality. Um, and... In the context also of the fact that she is now a working therapist who works with people with mental health disorders and people from marginalized communities. So there is a lot of of conversation about, like, how fit is she to do this job? How are her clients supposed to trust her if they ever saw those tweets they would be so triggered, and they would be so hurt by that. Um, that is, it's so it's continuing, continuing to do harm, or at least has potential to continue to do harm, despite the fact that some of these tweets go back a decade or somewhere between half a decade and a decade. Um, so that side of it cannot be understated. That there is a question of whether or not she is fit to do the job that she does, to advocate for the things that she does. Given her history of extremely slanderous, racist, um, and ableist and fat phobic commentary. That being said, this is where that concept of like looking at someone from their perspective of where are you now, especially because again, when you look at things that are from a, from a temporal distance, people learn and grow as throughout their lives. This is a thing that happens. We all do this. And so being able to take a step back and look at where someone is now in the present moment um, is also important because, and this is where she... Okay, we'll talk about her response to this stuff after, but um, because she does, she does do a lot of educating, re-educating and educating herself about this stuff. And we know this because she's leading the charge on a lot of different um, diversity and equity and inclusion fronts. So we know that she has, in su- at least in some ways, um, confronted her her her, um, you know, vitriol at some stage. The other thing that is of interest here is that she stated that she knew that those tweets were out there. She knew that they were still existing and she didn't take them down. She didn't delete them because she felt that it was part of her journey and she didn't want to hide that or like erase it from her journey. And so this is a contentious thing too, because it's not cut and dried like that. It's not cut and dried. Like, you know, like, okay, so over the summer, we had that, we had all the upheaval that happened. And on Instagram, there was the uh, Blackout Tuesday movement. And a lot of people participated in that, myself included. And I did delete my black square. I'm just I didn't think about it until after but but people after the fact said you know what you should leave it there because this isn't if you're committed to doing the work you're committed to owning your mistakes because a lot of us didn't look into what blackout tuesday was we didn't understand what it was we didn't think about how the algorithm was going to interact with it and like totally not do what it's supposed to do we were just jumping onto a bandwagon of trying to be like I'm a good white person and here's the evidence of that <laughs> right so People said afterwards, like, no, just leave it there because, like, this is, this is, like, this is the, the whole thing, part of your journey. But the black square isn't really harmful to anybody in the sense of, like, you know, someone seeing it and going, <gasps> I'm so offended or triggered by that. What Taylor said on Twitter does fall into the category of something that could be very triggering to a person today. It could be very harmful to a person today. Um, so, and the thing is like, there's a lot of arguments that people make where they're like, oh, it was the context of the time. It was permittable at the time. Those things that she said were not permittable even 10 years ago. Like you can't even make the statement that like that was okay then. It wasn't. And she says, nobody said anything about it. Well, that doesn't mean anything actually. (laughs) It doesn't mean anything that nobody confronted you about it. Maybe they were afraid of you. Maybe they didn't know better themselves. Like there's no reason, like you can't use that as an excuse to be like, it was permittable. It was not permittable 10 years ago. So in my view, that whole, it's part of my journey and I'm owning... The, I don't think that that was applicable in this case. I do not think that that's applicable in this case. I think that you, she should have deleted those tweets when she, the moment she realized how harmful they were. And so people will question whether or not she really understood how harmful they were because she didn't make that choice. Because she chose to essentially center herself and her own journey over the fact that people are going to continuously be hurt by the things that she has said. So that's one of my major criticisms about this whole situation is that she's not been mindful that the things that she says continuously hurt people. And if somebody saw that today, out of context or even in the context of knowing who she was, it would be very, very hurtful. I'm going to take a break. And I'll come back in a little bit when uh, I'm going for a walk. So I'll come back and finish this after. Okay, I'm back. Hopefully I can pick up where I left off. So what I was saying was that um, I feel that my, my personal feeling and stance about the tweets being a quote unquote part of someone's journey is that this again exists on a bit of a spectrum. The example that I gave where we were talking about the black square and like how harmful that is, how actively harmful that is. We can look at it and go, yeah, it's not really that harmful. It's an indication of somebody being a bandwagon jumper and somebody being a little bit misguided. And so that might be part of their journey of like, you know, unlearning that kind of stuff. But when you when you spew literal vitriol towards people and different groups um, through social media, that to me is categorically different and it falls under a different sort of level of the spectrum of harm. So in that case, I do think that, that, that she's made a mistake in not removing those tweets. Um, even if she wanted to keep them for herself, like, you know, save them somewhere privately or like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't use Twitter enough to understand if this is a possibility, but there must be a way that you could like unpublicly share your past stuff so that it's still there, it still exists, but it's not public. Anyway, so in my mind, that was a mistake. Um, but I I can understand because again we're not we can't assume that this person is perfect that they thought of everything from every angle because that is not possible. So she might look at it now and realize that that was a mistake, and that's okay too. In my mind, if she can look at it now and recognize that it was a mistake to center herself and her own journey over the possible harm that she's causing others, then I think that's okay. You know, like this, again, is part of the the journey of learning these things. You can't possibly know everything. And especially for her, where she says, you know, like she was at a really dark, bad place back then. And so she's certainly come a long way, um, but she's not perfect. And, and so, this is also, this is going to lead into my, my bit of criticism about her, her, what was supposed to be an apology. <laughs> um, on Sunday afternoon, she posted like an IGT IGTV or whatever it was, a live, something like that, or a video, um, saying that she was apologizing for the tweets. But in reality, what she was doing was going on the defensive and she was not actually apologizing. She was excusing herself. She was, she came about it from an arrogant place. And I don't say any of this from a place of of judgment or or meanness. I again, I want to peel back these layers because I think that there is a lot more to this. Um, but definitely, the reaction was was reactive. She was reacting to what was happening. She was clearly panicked. Um, there was a lot of emotion in, imbued in it, and she was psychoanalyzing herself um, in order to explain why those things happened. And so the the thing is, and this is why I think that this is such a uh, an uh, I'm not, I don't want to say good example because I don't want it to like you. I don't. I want to sound like I'm you know using her. Oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. Sorry. Oh my gosh, all the interruptions today. Um. You know, I, I want to say that this is like a good example of why cancel culture is so problematic. But at the same time, I don't want to be like, yeah, let's use this woman's really shitty personal experience as a learning opportunity. It's just a, it's a weird place to to sort of make that statement. But anyway, so the reason why I feel that this is a a um, e- example that's worthwhile exploring is because of her proximity to calling out other people and similarly when someone else has said can we take some time for this person to explore this and to think deeply on it and to kind of consider things she goes no 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 you need to respond to this now you need to be on top of this like things need to happen you need to do it this way etc etc and so she's really come under a lot of criticism because of the hypocrisy of which she's approached her own calling out because um she has done all of the same classic things of excusing herself, of trying to tell her side of the story, of, of having a, of offering a self-centered apology, like all of the classic stuff that people do. And so this is where it's like, that's why cancel culture is so hard. It's so problematic because nobody is going to respond in a way that is going to be helpful or positive or, you know, in any way not um, further damaging when they're called out like that publicly. Like it's just, it's not going to happen. You're not going to find someone who can gracefully sort of take take it up like that, right? Um, and again, there's another layer to this too that we're going to talk about. It's going to be a long episode. Um, so, so yeah, she's she's specifically come under a ton of criticism because her her attempts at apologies have been so hypocritical, given what she's just been saying about the standards of how to apologize for these things. And one of the reasons why this is important to um, to peel back this layer is because. She had a certain level of arrogance about the apology because, in her mind, she's been "quote unquote" doing the work. She's been actively confronting her own racist, fat phobic, uh, able um, able-bodied uh, centric kind of perspectives and ideas, and so in her mind, she she elevated herself over other people who have not been engaging in that, who have been not even necessarily willfully ignorant, but just generally ignorant to those things all this time. And so this is a, this is a trap and this is a problematic place to be. And I can relate to this because I have been there. I have been that person who elevates myself over others because I know what's going on. I know what's up in the world and I understand things and you don't. And therefore I am better than you. I have been there. And this is where like, so I listen to a podcast called Hella Black uh, fairly regularly. And one of the things that these two guys in Oakland, Oakland, California, what they advocate for now is tolerance and patience with other people who are not where you are and not falling into the trap of holding your own work and your own progress over the heads of other people. Because this is why her, her, at least in my opinion, her apology became so self-centered and so hypocritical because she felt that because she's been doing the work since she's been committed to, you know, re-educating and advocating for these things that somehow that put her on another level from other people. But that's not true. If you fuck up and you do something really wrong, you need to be able to own it and apologize for it. And just, you know, not again, not center yourself in like, this is why this happened and blah, 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 because that's what everybody always tries to do. And so I honestly hope that people look at this, what's going on here and use this as, as a, an example of why you can't jump to expecting people to have a, a graceful, apologetic response to something. And especially when it's things like this, where you, you, your life is in the public eye, you know, someone like her, I've seen her, her following on Instagram drop significantly over the last week. Um, and so when you, especially if you have to make your income off of this stuff, if you, you know, if you are, are publicly, um, just popular, and people know who you are. Then suddenly, you know, there's okay. So in the original debacle, uh there's two Rachels involved, which is confusing. So the one Rachel is the black, the black Rachel. Oh God, that sounds terrible. One of them is black, and one of them is white. And so the black Rachel um, has been. That's the one that's been getting harassed. And so she um has experienced all of this, this uh, threat of violence towards her. And now I'm sure Taylor is similarly getting that kind of harassment and and violence thrown towards her. And it's not lost on me that these are two black women that are experiencing this. I'm sure the people, the white people involved are experiencing a lot less of this hate. And I do see this even reflected in the types of comments and the commenters on her Instagram post. This is Taylor I'm talking about on Taylor's Instagram posts since she's been attempting to apologize for stuff and own the stuff that she did um, because a lot of them are, like, white women <laughs> and they're coming out going, you're a hypocrite and you hurt me and, and, like, white people really, really, really love an excuse to, like, trample on black women especially. So this is, again, it's so deeply layered. Um, so the, all of that, none of that is lost on me. Um, but but the the... The point is, the bottom line is that it's not untrue that what what has happened is that this has been an arrogant, hypocritical, self-centered type of apology because Taylor erroneously believes that because she's done the work, or been doing the work, sorry, she's been working on this stuff, she's been committed to it that it in some way absolves her of her past wrongs, and that is an erroneous belief. And I think that, that, that sh- as time goes on, if she hasn't already made this, come to this conclusion, she's going to come to this conclusion and realize that people expect you to have the same level of candor and humility about your wrongs in the past, regardless of where you are in the present, that you expect of everybody else who may not be as quote unquote advanced in their understanding of like social and racial justice as what you are, you have to be able to offer them the same grace because this is something that's come up quite a bit is the word grace. You know, we want to offer the the white racial grace and this Chris guy grace in their their journeys and and in their ability to reflect on what's happened and what they've done and said in, in their past and their present, and. Taylor has also asked herself for grace in this situation too. And so I think that that's something where we need to be able to come to a place that we can accept that people, all people deserve this kind of grace. And so that we can give them the opportunity to prove or to demonstrate in some way their commitment to do better. Um, And so one other thing that I want to, one of the other things that I want to try to briefly touch on is this idea of coming out ahead of things because there is a narrative right now where people are saying, why didn't, if Taylor knew that her, her tweets were out there and she was not trying to hide them and she didn't need to be called out by her words, um, why didn't she come out ahead of it? Why didn't she use those as part of her, like learning examples for herself, right? Like why, why did it take somebody else digging it up in order for that to come out and for her to own it? Um, and I don't have an answer to that question, but I do know that I can speak from experience that it is really, really, really hard to come out ahead of things because if you do that, you're still putting yourself in a position for people to cancel you. Then people look at it and they go, they're going to still, some people are still going to come to the conclusion that you don't deserve the credibility that you have, that you've built. So either way, she either was going to come out ahead of it and risk, or or actually it wouldn't even be a risk, it would be almost a guarantee that she was going to lose some of her following or some of the people who respected her because of that, or it comes out the way that it does now. And I don't know which way to say is, is going to be more damaging, but either way it's going to cause damage. And again, I can speak from experience on this, um, or at least on the concept of like not saying something about something that's happened, because I... Again, this is, okay, content warning, uh, sexual assault coming up, or sexual harassment stuff, but anyway, I've been, like, assaulted and harassed on a a number of occasions in my life, like many other women, probably most, Um, but... I've never really talked publicly about any of it. Like, there's been lots of different times when things have come up, and there have been some of them that I really, at least one in particular, that I really, really, really want to talk publicly about because I think it's a real problem um, that needs to be recognized. But by that same token, I have committed sexual harm to other people, to one person in particular. I don't know about other, like, I can't think of any other times when that, but there was one time where it was glaringly obvious after the fact that what i had done was very harmful to this person and it was sexual in nature i didn't know in the moment that it was harmful it wasn't until after that i realized that i had i had harmed them and um, there's nothing that i can do to take that back like i and and I, it was it was horrible i was acting out of ignorance and selfishness and i'm not going to even try to excuse it because it wasn't excusable Um, and that, that's something I'll have to live with for the rest of my life. That, that person, this, it was a guy, um, he, he abruptly left after stuff happened. And then I don't think I ever saw him after that. Like he just refused to ever talk to me again or see me again. So I've never had an opportunity to apologize to him. Not that I think that I need forgiveness, but just to let him know how sorry I am for having done it. Um, And so, anyway, I'm not going to go into too much more detail about that. But the point being that I'm reticent to bring up the sexual assaults and experiences that I've had because I know that I have been shitty towards at least one other person in my life. And so there's this sense in the back of my mind that if I say something and my words somehow end up catching fire and going somewhere and it becomes like a real story um, that person could come out of the woodwork and say, Hey, you can't speak on this. You did shit to me too. You've been shitty towards me. And so that would undermine my credibility in terms of my experience. And, um, so I don't say much about it. (laughs) I don't tell people about it. Um, even though, again, like I recognized immediately the harm that I caused. I've since talked about it with close friends and admitted that that, that what I did was was incredibly harmful and wrong. Um, but it doesn't change that. It doesn't change the harm. That doesn't, recognizing it doesn't, you can't go back. You can't take it back. So I understand why Taylor may have used that as a, a logic for not not bringing up her her past harms, especially because of how harmful they really are. I mean, nobody would want to draw attention to things that are that harmful and heinous. And so I again, I can I can see why she would just like, you know, not specifically talk about things. I, I think she's talked about, how she's grown over the years and how she has changed, but I don't think she ever... I could I could understand why she would never have specifically brought up those things, because it is awful. It's awful. And again, I can't see people being very forgiving of her if she'd brought it up independently on her own. So that's that side of things. The last thing that I want to talk about is... Um... Something that she's brought up and I completely agree with, um, which is, and, and so this, again, is like a, an additional kind of layer on top of everything else. Um, this was a targeted attack towards her because of what she is saying. It's not that somebody coincidentally happened upon these tweets and was like, oh, this is horrible. Somebody went digging for something to make her lose credibility to attack her as a person, and to bring her down. So that is a whole other side of things that I really think we can't ignore. Because people have, she's made this statement and people have, um, have, criticized her for making that statement. But I believe what she's saying is 100% true because it is not a coincidence that she started making these statements and started standing up against this stuff. And then suddenly out of nowhere, somebody is slandering her on Reddit and bringing up dredging her, her past, right? Dragging her through the mud for something that happened five to 10 years ago. Um, again, arguably horrifying, but at the same time, this has never come up before. So the timing is very questionable. And so then I'm I'm inclined to be sympathetic towards her because given because again like I said she's she's received so much criticism because of the hypocrisy of of her statements afterwards of the fact that she even did any of this stuff the fact that what she did is categorically more harmful than what the people she's calling out have done. If that context weren't there, I imagine that this wouldn't carry the same weight that it does now. If the the Bachelor Nation racism conversation weren't happening, if somebody brought that up now, it would have impacted her far less than it does now. So this is what is, I would definitely agree that this is a targeted attack. Somebody is trying to undermine her in order to um distract from what it is that she's saying in order to remove credibility from what it is that she's saying. And that is harmful. That's harmful to her. That's harmful to everyone that she advocates for. Um, and again, this is this is a, a vocal black woman. She uh she th- this is a special situation you know, black women specifically get dragged for all kinds of different things when they speak out, when they make statements about things that are strong and confident, um, that go against the grain. And, and as she says, she's calling out white supremacy. She's calling out, um, you know, complacency and and allowing for racism and all of that. Like there's, there, this is what's happening. So we need to understand all of the layers of this stuff in order to really get at what it is that we want to see happen, um, in order to understand how to move forward, uh, in, a, in order to decide whether or not we we revoke the credibility or if we forgive her and give her the space to to continue to do better. Um, and so then at the end of the day, not only for her, but for everyone else involved in this situation, for people like Marky Mark who young kids now <laughs> are holding it against him that he did something 20 years ago that was bad that he arguably paid for you know socially um and so this is why I don't think that cancel culture, I think it's really, really, really problematic. And it is not rooted, it's rooted in the, the, the punitive system, which I personally have become more radicalized against. And so even when I said like Bill Cosby deserves to be behind bars, I actually don't even know if that's true in my, my heart of hearts. I mean, that's what the institution is available that we have right now. And that's the, the, the consequence we have right now for people who are like that. Um, but like the Bill Cosby's, Harvey Weinstein's, Louis C.K., the, the, um, oh, what's his name? The recently outed, oh, that producer or whatever his name is. Anyway, um, Whedon, Joss Whedon, he's also recently been implicated in some sexual violence. stuff. They are mere people who are cogs in the wheel of the patriarchy. They are mere people who were given the, put in the circumstance to abuse the power that they have. And almost anyone, very few, okay, very few people put in those same circumstances, given those same conditions, would not have acted the same way because it, it becomes permissible and it becomes acceptable and almost expected. And because a lot of these guys, like the Joss Whedon's of the world, you know, he's not like super hunky guy or anything. So having women throw themselves at you, like it's powerful. This is powerful stuff. But the point is that they're not necessarily evil people. They're put in situations where it causes them to make Bad decisions, and they're not held accountable for those bad decisions, and so then it perpetuates it, it permits it, and it perpetuates it, and it seeps into other stuff. So, there's a bigger conversation here than just are these bad men, the patriarchy, misogyny, um, you know, all that stuff plays into it, and it's the culture that we live in that produces people like that and permits that behavior. Um, and so, yeah, so anyway cancel culture, in my mind, is rooted in the punitive ideology. And at this stage, I don't agree with a lot of what the punitive system is about and what it does, what it punishes. There's a lot of, um, like, racism is deeply tied to punitive measures um, and the judicial system and all of that stuff. So there's lots of problems on that side of things as well. But generally, generally speaking, um, I am perfectly ready to do away with cancel culture and to just take a step back and just give people some space. We are in a place right now of rapid social change and social expectations changing and culture and language and everything. And so um, allowing for people to take the space, you can hold them accountable. you can you can, force them to commit to do that and check in on them and hold them to their word. But to completely, like I said, cancel them, to tell them that they don't have a place in society anymore where they get to be productive, where they get to do the things that they're passionate about, to remove that from them, that actually is going to cause them to go backwards. They're going to dig their heels in even deeper into what they already have been doing. They're not going to be willing to do the work. So you're closing that door of opportunity in a lot of ways, for a lot of people, when you demonize them and turn them into devils for simply being a product of the culture that they're brought up in. Okay, this has been a very long episode, and I think I've covered basically everything, but I also expect that this conversation is going to come up again, and I will revisit it and uh, share more thoughts, or if my feelings change about things as things develop, or as I consider more perspectives, I will share them with you as always, if you have thoughts or feelings about any of this stuff, please do share. I would really love to have like a conversation about this. I think this is really important stuff um, that we need to be talking about. So thank you for sitting through this whole episode. If you made it to the end, congratulations. (laughs) This is a big one. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. And uh, I, I hope that I will hear from you. And if not, then I will see you in the next one.